Well, thank you, Isaac, uh, for that wonderful, wonderful message. Uh, good morning, church. It is so, so good to be here with you this morning. Uh, for those of you who have not had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name is Robbie Mays. I am the college pastor intern here at Big Woods Bible Church, filling in for Pastor Tim this morning. Isaac mentioned tennis. I'm a little partial to baseball. I always grew up playing baseball, love playing baseball. Uh, shameless plug, men, if you're interested, we actually have a men's softball team starting up this summer. Come see me after service if you're interested. Um, but I, I always love baseball. Springtime was actually one of my favorite times to look forward to, spring and summer. And today is actually the first day of spring. Today is the first day of spring. We finally get to see no more snow, Lord willing. But it has been, it has been so, so good. Uh, to be here and to be welcomed uh, by all of you, and I thank you so much for that. But in baseball, one of my favorite things with it, it wasn't necessarily just being outside. It wasn't smelling the fresh-cut grass and the nicely raked dirt. It wasn't even necessarily playing the game itself, but it was rather the camaraderie, the teammates that I had, the brotherhood that we had on and off the field. This same brotherhood that we are looking at, actually, this morning in Romans chapter 12 you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn with me there. This idea of loving one another in brotherly affection is something that we are looking at this morning. Another thing, like Isaac alluded to, is outdoing one another in showing honor. And I've always found it very interesting, and I, I love to do this when, when I preach, is that I ask people if they would stand in honoring the reading of God's word. We, we honor God as we sung this morning. We ask him to bless our time together. We honor him in the reading of his word. So as you are able, as you have your place here in Romans chapter 12, uh, would you please stand as you are able with me? To give us a little bit of context, I'll be reading verses 9 to 13 out of Romans 12. So if you have your place, follow along with me there. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for our time this morning to gather, to read your word, to praise your holy name. Lord, you are worthy of all praise and adoration. I pray this morning that you would guide my words, that you would speak through me. Lord, let these be your words and not my own. And Father, may all praise and glory be given to you through the reading of your word this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Please be seated. This morning we are focusing here on verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. We see two main themes in this passage. We see love and we see honor. Love and honor. That is our focus this morning. To understand this a little bit better in the side of love, your translation might say love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love or even be devoted to one another in brotherly love. This is a context of love, as Pastor Tim started off uh, this passage, this section, last week. Let love be genuine. It's a context of love. We can't view honor or zeal or spirit, serving, rejoicing, patience. We can't even view prayer outside of this context of love for not only one another, but also love for the Lord. 
Pastor Tim also mentioned last week that there are four different kinds of love. We have storage, more of a family love, agape, sort of a, an all-inclusive, full-body, charity-type love, eros, a romantic love, and finally philia, which is what we are looking at this morning, brotherly love. Now, we could take the entire time that we have this morning to redefine and relook at what is love, but I think that we would be uh, much more uh, worth, worthy of our time to look at how do we apply this to our lives. Not so much what is it, but what do we do with it. So we have three points looking at love, and we'll have an additional two for honor. All five application. But as we start this morning, what does this look like to love one another in brotherly affection. One of my favorite examples of this found in scripture is between David and Jonathan. If you're familiar with their relationship, Jonathan was actually the son of Saul, who was king of Israel at the time. David had been anointed by God to be king, and for this, Saul hated him and actually spent most of his life trying to kill David. And yet, being the son of Saul, Jonathan goes to David and says, look, I care for you. I know that you're supposed to be in this role, and I love you. And in 1 Samuel chapter 18, we actually see this play out a little bit. 1 Samuel 18, chapter 18, excuse me, uh, verses 1 through 4. It says, As soon as he, David, had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on it and give it, gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So the idea is he loved him as himself. He loved him as a brother. We've all been part of a brotherhood or sisterhood in some aspect. We mentioned earlier sports. If you weren't on a sports team, maybe you're part of a, a social club or a fraternity or sorority. For those in college, even maybe you were just part of a group where you had brothers and sisters. Even in the military, we have this idea of brotherhood amongst ourselves. It's the same as we relate to Christ. Thanks to the work of Christ, we have all been adopted as sons and daughters of the one true living God. Because of that, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We understand what it looks like to be encouraged, to be loved, because Christ has first done this for us. We also see this as we ourselves are discouraged. We have people who walk alongside of us, who love on us, who encourage us, who help lift us up. And how much more then, when we have come through that, do we want to do that for somebody else? How much more do we then know what it feels like to be discouraged and want to encourage one another? This is what it looks like to love one another in brotherly affection. In case those examples aren't enough, John 15 verses 12 through 13, Jesus actually commands it. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And friends here in this context actually has the same root of philia that we are looking at in verses 12 through 10. No greater love than ha someone has for this that he lay down his life for a brother. As I mentioned, we have three points to look at this morning. We need to look up, look out, and look in. We need to look up, look out, and look in. You might be saying, what in the world is he talking about? What does this look like? That's okay. We'll, go we'll get there together. 
So first, we have to look up. We have to set our eyes on Jesus. We have to be connected to the body. Point number one this morning, be connected to the body. Because of where this passage takes place in Romans 12, if you've been with us for any amount of time, you know that we just came through a series, Gifts of Grace, looking at the gifts given to us by the grace of God to be building up the body, to be encouraging one another, to properly be using our gifts, we must be using them within the context of the local church. The gifts are not meant for you and your glory. They are meant for the the betterment of the body of Christ, the lifting up, the building up, if you will, of the body. This is much more than a physical sense. It's great that you come to church But just because you fill a pew or fill a seat does not mean you are necessarily connected. Just because you come to church on a Wednesday night does not mean that you are connected through prayer. It's much more than that. There's a weekly email that goes out, uh, daily even, depending on when people send. But we can connect through prayer together. But again, if we aren't connecting to the body, if we are disconnected, if we aren't getting those emails, if we aren't praying together, if we aren't noticing what is going on in the body, how are we connected? How can we encourage one another if we don't know who is discouraged or how they're discouraged? How can we even pray for one another if we don't know what the needs of one another are? This is much more than a physical coming to church. It is a non-physical being in community. We have to be connected to the church. Look up. Secondly, we need to look out. We need to think of others more and ourselves less. Think of others more, yourself less. I love the verse in Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. This verse is just so, so profound that we see here in Philippians 2, 3. And you might be sitting there thinking, I have way too much on my plate. How can I think of others more? I don't even have enough time in my own schedule for things. Well, pray. God gives us good gifts. We see in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Ask the Father who knows all things for time, and he will give it to you. You might be saying that, well, I don't even have that figured out. Like, if I'm trying to come along somebody and help them and give them financial advice because they're struggling with finances, well, I don't have it all figured out. I can't do that. If the qualification for preaching were having a master's in preaching, I wouldn't be qualified. And yet, for some reason, Pastor Tim has entrusted me this morning. Just because you don't have it mastered, just because you don't have it all figured out, does not mean you are not capable, does not mean you cannot encourage someone. The process of sanctification, the process of looking more like Jesus, is a process that takes the entirety of our lives. We will never fully look like Jesus until we are glorified with him in heaven. So just because you don't have it all figured out doesn't mean that you cannot come alongside someone to think of someone before you think of yourself. We need to look up before we can look out. Christian love points outward. It is not selfish. It is not inward focused. But it is outward focused within the church. There's an acronym that someone told me when I was in college. It's JOY. J-O-Y. They explained it as the order that we should be thinking in our minds. First, we should think first and foremost of Jesus. Then we secondly think of others. And finally, 
yourself, J-O-Y, joy. Jesus, others, yourselves. We have to look up before we look out, before we look in. Brotherly affection has a readiness, an inclination, and a willingness in both word and deed to love. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Think of others more and yourself less. So we, we understand looking up. We have to be connected to the body. We have to set our eyes on Jesus. We have to look out next to think of others more. Now we need to look in. Third point this morning, look in. Look for needs where you can use your gifts. As we look in introspectively and see, God, what have you gifted me to do? Then you look for needs in the body. How can I use those gifts for the building up of the body? We looked at just a few of the gifts of grace Exhortation. If, if your gifting is encouraging walking alongside somebody, find somebody to walk alongside. If it is serving, find somewhere to serve. If it's teaching, find somewhere to teach. If it is merciful, find somebody to show mercy. The gifts are meant for the building up of the body. They are not meant for our own selfish gains. And each and every one of us has been gifted in some way to benefit the body. We must use those gifts looking for needs where we can use them. When we are using our gifts in love for the building up of the body of Christ, we are encouraging others around us to do the same. See, this is, this is a cycle of giving, and it starts first and foremost with Christ. He has been the one who has given things to us, first and foremost salvation, but also these gifts. He has given them to us. We must spend time in God's word, spend time in prayer, be connected to the body, before we can look for opportunities to pour out the love that has been given to us. We need to look for needs within the body, people who need to be loved, to be encouraged, to be prayed for. You won't have to look too terribly hard, I promise. We have needs all over. But in order to to count others more significant than ourselves, we have to be around others. In order to then help others, we have to know what the needs are. We have to be in community with others. These three points build on one another. They're not just ordered like this because they look pretty, because quite frankly, they don't. But they're ordered like this because they build off of one another. It starts with being connected to the body. It starts with thinking others, with others more than yourself. And then finally, we can use our gifts and look for these needs. Love one another in brotherly affection. Now, we're just halfway through this verse. So if you look back with me in Romans 12.10, let's look at this second half outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. So as I mentioned before, we had three points of application for love. Now we transition into a time of looking at honor. Again, it is so important that we look at this in the context of love. As Isaac was alluding to this morning, we constantly want to outdo somebody in something. But if we look at this outside of a context of love, when you say outdo, when you think outdo, it's instantly competition. It automatically becomes, I want to be better than that person, or I want to do more than that person. This is not what Paul is talking about. Competition leads to legalism. It becomes a checklist. It says that person is doing three nice things a week. I'm going to do five that's great that you're doing good things, but your, your heart is not right. We have to think of others more significant than a checklist of things to do. 
We can't be going around saying, well, I held more doors than you did this week. I smiled at people more than you did this week. I, did, I outdid you in honor. That's right. I'm better. It's not what Paul is saying. It's what we like to make it sometimes. But that is not what Paul is saying. He's talking about this context of love, using our gifts for the building up of the body, not using our gifts to promote our own selves. Love one another and outdo one another out of love. Showing honor means to count others more significant than ourselves, to use the Philippians 2 passage again. It means to rejoice with one another, to rejoice in the use of our different gifts, to champion one another, come alongside one another, to use the gifts of grace that we have been given, to take notice of the gifts that we and others have been given, and to use them and value them accordingly, praising one another forward. It's important to be a team player, going back to the sports metaphor. It is not solely about us. It's not about our needs. It's about the needs of the body and how we can fill them. Yes, we have needs. Yes, they need to be taken care of. But by looking outwards, they will be. I love in Acts 2 how Paul, uh, excuse me, Luke writes about the early church. He's writing about the church saying that they had all things in common. No one had any need. Unlike the consumer culture that we live in, as Pastor Tim has alluded to numerous times, rather than going to the grocery store and saying, this is on my list, I want that. This is on my list, I want that. This is on my list, they don't have it, I'm not going to get it. This is on my list, I don't want that though. Rather than going to a restaurant, ordering off of a menu. If you've never been to Oddfellas, I would actually encourage you to check it out if you love burgers. They have wonderful craft burgers there, but they also have an option to actually build your own burger. When you, when you go, you can say, I want the Angus beef patty on a brioche bun with lettuce and tomato. No pickles, no onions, ketchup. That's a little bland for my taste, but, but the point is you can build your own burger. You can say exactly what you want on it. That's not what the church is like. The church is a team. You get it whether you want it or not, and it's all good. You don't have to weed through the things that you don't want, but rather thinking of others more than we think of ourselves, considering the needs of others, loving one another in brotherly affection, outdoing one another and showing honor, we see that it is all for the building up of the body, all for the glory of God. To love someone means to put them over and against ourselves, to truly care deeply for someone, to, to put them, their wants, their needs, their desires, their hopes, their dreams, to put all of those things above and even against mine own. This is what it means to honor another person. To say, I know you really want to do this, and I really want to do this. Because I love you, we're going to do this. Now, don't phrase it that way. Don't guilt them into doing the thing that they want to do, just in the hopes that they will do what you want to do next time. This isn't a give and take. This is truly, I love you. I want your needs above my own. It's very easy for me just to lie in bed when my wife is hacking up a lung. It's not easy. It's not fun to get out of bed and go get the medicine that she needs. But because I love her, I do. We shouldn't expect them even to do what we want the next time. So two points this morning in what it looks like to show honor to others. First, we need to be proactive in doing 
good for others. Be proactive in doing good for others. The word outdo that is used here in the Greek is actually broken into two roots. The root pro and hegeomai. It literally means to lead the way for others, to lead by example, if you will. Rather than outdo as a competition, rather do better than, as we would usually interpret this word, Paul is really saying lead by example in showing honor to others. One commentator writes, rather perhaps anticipating one another, the Christian is to take the initiative, show honor or respect to others without waiting for them to show it to him. We need to be proactive in doing good for others. The story of the Good Samaritan is a great biblical example in this manner. Two men walk by the man that is beaten, bruised, probably unconscious on the side of the road, just been robbed by bandits. The Good Samaritan comes alongside and says, he can't do anything for me, but I can do everything for him in this moment. And he takes him, puts him on his donkey, rides him into town, tells the innkeeper, hey, I got his room and board. If he uses more than what I've given you, let me know. I'll pay it forward. The man on the roadside could not show the Good Samaritan honor. In fact, that might have been one of the reasons why the priest and the Levite did not. It was customary in the the times of Jewish culture and the Israelites' culture to bring something for the priest before offering a sacrifice. They might have expected some kind of, of gift or offering because this man was beaten and broken and broke. He could not offer anything. But the Good Samaritan, instead of waiting for this other man to show him honor, is proactive in doing good. He shows honor first, not expecting anything in return. Instead of outdo, instead of competition, lead by example. Be proactive in doing good. Secondly, we need to speak well of others always. Speak well of others always. Don't be a gossip. (laughs) Good quote I found speaking to this specifically to Christians is that they, Christians, should should be speaking honorably of each other in Christian company. Discourage that evil practice of whisperings, backbitings, and innuendos. They should treat each other with honor and respect in their common conversation, and especially when they meet together as a church of Christ. Don't talk badly about people behind their backs, but instead have this sort of reverse gossip where you constantly are speaking positively, speaking truthfully about others. This isn't always easy, right? I mean, how many of us struggle with this? I myself struggle with this. It's not always easy to do this. When somebody hurts us or has wronged us, it's very easy to turn that around and want to get back at them in some way. There's an old saying, hurt people hurt people. Those that are hurting want to lash out and hurt others. But when someone has wronged us, we should be going to them in private, one-on-one, saying, hey, you said this and it kind of hurt me in this way. Is that what you meant or is something deeper going on here? Don't let there be any confusion. Don't risk playing the telephone game of telling your friend who tells their friend who tells their friend who tells their neighbor who tells their cat who tells their dog who tells their neighbor that this happened. Don't risk playing the telephone game. We know that never works. Don't get caught up into he he said or she said stuff. It doesn't help anyone. Don't be a gossip. Speak well of others. Showing honor to others not just by doing good for them 
but even by speaking well of them, whether in person or over social media. As many of us know, nothing is anonymous anymore. Our name is always tied to something in some manner. And even if it was, do you really want to be the one giving this person that reputation? Tearing them down rather than building them up. Many of you may be familiar with the saying, if you can't say anything nice about someone, don't say anything at all. I think really what Paul is getting at here is if you can't say anything nice about someone, go check your own heart, then come back and say something nice about them. Showing honor to others should be an outpouring of love. Again, we're talking about brotherly love here, philia. So guys, if a girl comes up to you and says, hey, I I like what you did there, she doesn't want to marry you. Give it a month or so. Showing honor, being proactive in doing good, speaking well of others always is an outpouring of great love. I I tell you, I can think of no greater example of showing honor out of love than Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't try and outdo God. He didn't even try and outdo man. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Taking the form of a servant, the lowest form in the cultural society that they lived in. He's not trying to outdo anyone with his status. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, 6-8. This idea that we've talked about, showing no greater love than one another than one who lays down his life for a brother. And Christ has been the first to give us this example. See, we were the ones who rebelled against God. We were the ones who sinned against him and created the brokenness that we see in the world today. God made everything and he made it good. And sin entered the world through Adam, through man in the garden and condemned us all to eternal separation from God. But there is hope because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 is because of this great love that we have the, even the possibility of salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord, who has died in our place on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins so that we do not have to. The grace of God that has been bestowed upon us through his Son is a grace that we do not deserve. I do not deserve it. But because of God's great love for us, we too can love one another with brotherly affection. We too can outdo one another in showing honor. The disciple John loved writing about the concept of love. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. John 15, 17, These things I command you, that you will love one another. 1 John four eleven, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Let us look to Christ, our perfect example for this, the perfecter, the founder of our faith, as our example of loving one another, outdoing one another 
than showing honor. We have to be connected to the body. We have to look up. We have to think of others more. We have to think of ourselves less by counting others more significant than ourselves. Looking out. Looking for needs where you can use the gifts that God has given to you to show the love of God to others. Be proactive in doing good for one another. Speak well of others always. This is what it means to show honor to one another. In a moment, I'm going to pray as we conclude this morning, and Pastor Stewart will come up and lead us in a time of communion. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much just for this opportunity to learn more about your great love for us. Father, to be reminded of the example of your son Jesus, who counted it more significant to be obedient to you, to love us, than he did count equality with you. Father, let us look to Jesus. Let us humble ourselves, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but counting others more significant than ourselves. Let us look to you, the the founder and the perfecter of our great faith, with all assurance that what you have called us to do, you will equip us to do. Father, let us love one another deeply as brothers and sisters in you. Father, you have all given us a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. Let us not count that for nothing. Father, bless the remainder of our time this morning. May you be glorified in all that we do. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Thank you, Robbie. We can practice those things. We can love one another. We can show honor to one another because of what Christ has already done for us. And we have an opportunity to remember that this morning. Um, Communion was started by Christ the night before his execution, the the night that he was betrayed. um, He took his closest followers, um, his disciples, and he took them to an upper room. And as they're eating, he stopped and he took out bread and wine. He took the bread and he showed it to them and he tore it apart before them. He says, this will be my body that's going to be broken for you. Uh, Then he took uh, wine and he showed it to them. And then he poured it out and passed it around to them. He says, this is going to be like my blood. It's going to be poured out for each of us. Now, all these things would come to pass. Jesus would come to die a horrendous death. His body would be broken. His blood would be poured out. And he would bear all these things willingly, taking our sins and offenses against God upon himself, paying the penalty that we deserved. Now, we as people were forgetful. We were very forgetful. So we practice this regularly as a reminder for what Christ has done. Or we're going to be passing out bread and grape juice. And there's nothing magical about those particular items. But we do this as a reminder or remembrance for what Christ has done for us. That Christ has lived a perfect life, died a death in our place that we deserved, and then was resurrected again. As followers of Christ, we get to remember this both solemnly because it was our sin that made it necessary, but also joyfully because of what Christ has done for us. 
And if you're a brother and sister in Christ here and you're not a member of this church, we welcome you as a brother and sister to remember this with us. I also do need to ask, I don't mean to be rude in any way, um, if you don't know Christ, if you haven't trusted him as your Lord and Savior, um, I'd ask that you would uh, please refrain. But if you want to commit your life to following Christ, you can do that in your seats right here now. Um, in a second, um, the elders are going to come on up, and they're, they're going to have stations set up. There's going to be three stations up front um, and two stations in the back. And you can go and get uh, the juice and the bread from them and come back to your seats. You don't have to rush. Take time to pray. But then we're, we're going to take um, the bread and the cup together in just a few moments and remembering what Christ has done for us. Elders at this time, if you would come on up.
Thank you, brothers. Let us pray. God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son to live a perfect life, to die in our place, to be resurrected again. Something we can never deserve, nor can we ever pay back in any way, shape, or form. I pray that we don't take that for granted. I pray as well that because of what you have done for us, we can always remember that we are called to show love and forgiveness to others around us, to love one another in brotherly affection, to outdo one another in showing honor because you have done so much more for us. As we remember what your son has done for us, I pray that we don't take it lightly, but that we also don't take it without joy, remembering that because of what he has done, we have a renewed relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians 11, 23 to 24, says that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and we had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. At this time, I'd like to invite uh, the worship team back up again. Um, and just as an encouragement, if you've been hearing about um, Jesus and you're like, I, I'm curious, I don't know what it means for him to be my Savior. I don't know why you guys are practicing this, but I'm curious. I want to know more about him. I encourage you, grab me after the service. Grab any of the elders. Grab the person beside you. Ask him, hey, do you know this Jesus? I want to know more about him. And we would love to talk to you. Thank you, Stuart. Invite you to uh, stand with us as we close with a song taken out of uh, Psalm 35. <laughs>